Judy Carter, and this is the Power of Purpose podcast, where we explore how to live a purposeful life and how creative people like yourself can make a living doing what you love doing. And my guest here is magical. I mean, what can I say about Rob Lake? He is amazing, and he has really taken his passion and his purpose and he makes a living from it because he is a magician. Um, Rob has, well, you're going to have to see him. You have to see him on his um, YouTube channel where he has over 80 million, that's right, you heard me, 80 million viewers. Welcome, Rob Lake. Thank you for coming. Hey, hey Judy, thank you so much for having me here. I, I love your podcast. I listen to it all the time. So it's an honor to be here. Well, thank you. You know, we hear like a lot of people get successful as an artist. And when I say mm -hmm. artist, I, uh, <laughs> I'm talking about um, people who get ideas and make them come to fruition. That's an artist. And whether, whether it ends up on a canvas or on stage or in a book, it doesn't matter. Correct. Absolutely. You're, right. You're doing the you're doing the amazing, which is really what magic is. <laughs> um, but what's so interesting about you, Rob, is you're not from L.A. You're not from New York. You're not from one of the showbiz places. And I know a lot of my listeners live in places like Oklahoma. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, people out there are sitting there going, well, do I have to come L.A. to pursue my passion? But can you tell us a little bit about how, how you found, you know, your passion in life and mm -hmm. how you turned it into a living? Well, looking back now, you know, as a kid, I was always very passionate about this. So, so it's no surprise that I did, I'm doing what I do now, because as far back as I remember, I was obsessed with magical entertainment. My heroes were Walt Disney and Jim Henson, Steven Spielberg, and they still are my heroes today. But I had to, uh, you know, I, I would obsess over them. All my book reports at schools, I would watch documentaries on them as a kid. We're all about this. But when I saw a magic show at 10 years old, I knew, no doubt, this is not what I want to do. This is what I'm ordered to do in life. This is my goal in life. This is my purpose in life. So it was like having a divine epiphany at age 10. 10. Yeah. So at age 10, I knew, and it wasn't like, oh, this would be a cute, fun job or something. This was, this was my order in life, my purpose in life which I say is a blessing and a curse both to have it uh, because it's great to know so young, but also every time you have a setback, it's frustrating. Why are things not happening when I know this is what I'm born to do? Well, a lot of people feel that's is what they're born to do. I'm going to be a star. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then we cut to 20 years later. Well, I'm a bankruptcy clerk and I'm filing papers. So you know, very few people actually manifest it. And what I'm interested in is, okay, you say Steven Spielberg, you love Steven Spielberg, um, mm -hmm. but how did you know what you were going to do? Like, how did, if you're obsessed with Steven Spielberg or Jim Henson, I'm gonna get some puppets. I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, how did you turn it you know, into magic? What, what, sure, what I liked about those, my heroes, as I call them, is they create wonder. They create enchantment. They create uh, magical stories. And when I saw a magic show for the first time, it was a big illusion show. 
I was overwhelmed with that sense of wonder and the inspiration of, of feeling anything is possible. And I knew this is my form of entertainment. This is what I'm, this is why I'm going to connect into this world of entertainment and wonder and enchantment is through actual illusions. So I, I, I of course, as a kid, had a few puppets and I loved Walt Disney. I love movies. But for me, I just knew my version, my genre would be magic and illusions, but I still don't draw inspiration from magicians. I still draw inspirations from these guys or from Disney parks or from Broadway shows. So I try to combine different forms of entertainment into my illusions um, because my passion, probably even more than magic, is actually theater and entertainment. Oh, my God. And, you know, what's so great about magic? Because it was the same for me. You know, I had a disabled sister. I had uh, a speech impediment, and magic is is one of those careers you can actually buy at a toy store, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like or or no... books from the library. Oh yeah, that's where I was. I was books in the library, mm-hmm. and um, and there. I guess now there, you know, you can get from a book. Certainly, my book, the, uh, the Comedy Bible, which which shows you how you can uh, have a career as as a comedian. But really, as a kid, there's what do you attribute to? Like, what did you do um, that is different than somebody else who didn't manifest a paying gig? Like where people actually pay you, because a lot of us have these hobbies as kids, right? But sure. w- so we're, I'm really interested in this podcast because I know my listeners, you know, love hearing from successful people such as yourself to go like, what am I missing here? I had this passion as a kid. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a singer. And now I'm, you know, going. Do you want fries with that? And so, what am I not doing? Like. What's the difference, Rob, between you and somebody who is, you know, has the day job? Sure. You know, I, I think there are two parts to this question. For me, what I can speak from my experience is I was just obsessed. I went to the library, got every book on magic. I would inundate my friends and family and teachers and everyone with card tricks and magic tricks. I know I had to drive them crazy. Um, I just didn't give up. I, I'm sure I sucked at the beginning, but I didn't give up. And and I think, you know, as, when you're 10, you're cute where people tolerate you and, you know, give you a tip or let you do a birthday party. But every penny I made, I would save up to buy an illusion or another trick. And I built my career my entire life incrementally over my whole my whole life. I built my entire show piece by piece, illusion by illusion. And I never gave up. Every waking minute, every waking hour was to put back into my show. Um, I was lucky. I went from you know doing shows for civic groups and birthday parties and church groups as a kid in high school, and I um, just saved up all that money to buy one illusion. Then I would buy another illusion and another illusion. And when I was 20 years old, I realized that the way I work, I don't advise this for everyone, I'm in a sink or swim kind of person. That's, that's how I am. If I, I need to kind of dive in head first, otherwise I won't do it. So when I was 20, I just up and left college. I didn't go to my finals. I just said, if I'm going to do this, I have to I have to prove to myself I'm going to do this. And I dropped out of college. I just walked away. And I thought, okay, I will automatically get a Vegas gig or something. You know, looking back, it was very naive and silly. But, you know, for me, it was I had to get myself into that realm where I had no choice but to succeed. And that's, now that took five or six years before it actually happened. And it was not easier pretty. It was very uncomfortable. I was couch surfing for a while. I was 
borrowing illusions from other magicians if I had a gig. I had to really, really struggle to make it happen, and my shows probably weren't very good. Now, when but you talk passion, about illusions, when you talk about yeah. illusions, um, I just want to know, because most people go, my first trick, my first yeah. magic trick, because you're using the word illusions. And so can you tell me, like, a little bit about, first of all, um, um, what was your first magic trick or illusion? <laughs> sure. So, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, obviously we all had the magic kit. So, you know, the cups and the balls and the Svengali Drek and the coloring book. You know, all the, every kid has a magic kit. So we did that. My first actual illusion I built with my parents' help in the garage out of a Paul Osborne illusion book, if you remember those. And then... And then, and then from there, I bought not even a hand-me-down, a hand-me, hand-me, way, way down. I bought a well-used and abused sub-trunk. You know, every magician has that as a starter. And... Oh, I, I took over my parents' garage. I took over my parents' garage by age 12. I had a sub-trunk and a zigzag and all the classic stuff you can buy from any magic club, you know, swap meet. <laughs> You know, none of them were great. They were, you know, had been, you know, owned by a dozen people before I got it. But my parents had to start parking their cars outside pretty soon in life because I would just filled it with my magic tricks. Oh, my God. And so, um, so here you are. You're, um, you're building all these things. You're obsessed. Mm -hmm. um, was there a sense of something, why you were so obsessed? I mean, do you look back and go... Why did I do this? What was it? I had such a strong knowing that this was my purpose from a young age. It's not like, oh, I want to be famous or, oh, I want to do this. It was just, I knew this was my purpose. It's whenever I, you know, no matter how hard it is, because you know how magic, you know, especially the illusions, they're really difficult. You might spend hours setting up a show for a two minute bit. Um, but no matter how much hours and time or energy you put into it, I never felt drained by it. No matter the setbacks or the frustrations, it never um, uh, depleted me. It just, you know, I was always empowered more and more. So I had many clues my whole life that I was on the right path, that this was my purpose, this was my passion that was paying off. Because other things that would normally exhaust you, of course you get tired, but at the same time you would go to bed happy and relieved that you're getting to do what you want to do. And those are the signs for me that validated this is my purpose. Okay, I'm taking notes because everybody who's listening to this, I'm going to summarize all these steps of success that Rob Lake is giving us. Um, so here's the thing, because it's really interesting, because I, um, uh, who's your favorite magician, illusionist, by the way, now, who's uh, out? Who, sure, who do you like? Sure, uh, you, know, um, I, you know, performing now, I, I love Darren Brown. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's from the UK. He's a, he is probably the best magical showman alive today by far. Um, my, my mentor and hero growing up, who was actually the first magician I saw, then many years later he became a dear friend and mentor, was Kirby Van Birch. And he had the biggest, he had the biggest magic show at the time. Um, and, uh, and he would actually, uh, when I was 20, I didn't, have any, I didn't have any professional or good illusions. I had a crappy sub trunk and a zigzag and stuff that you, know, you really couldn't get a real gig from. So Kirby let me film a promo video using his props, his equipment, his helicopter, his white tigers, and uh, anytime I'd get a gig, he would loan me props as long as I would use the money from the gig to invest in the show. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I have history with Kirby. You know, uh, uh -oh. Uh -oh. Kirby, wasn't he the guy with a lot? Yeah, we did a gig together. I got really good reviews, and he got pissed. 
So he stole oh. all my video equipment. Oh no. Yeah, oh, no. he stole it. I called the police on him and then they wouldn't they wouldn't do anything. Yeah, the guys well, I'm glad he was nice to you. Hey, name a famous he, female magician. Favorite oh you of course. And I, and I don't say that. I, 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 no, I, I don't say unfortunately unfortunately it is a white male dominated field. And I wish it wasn't the case, but um, I really mean this. I found a few videos of you doing your act, you know, your trash can escape, which is hysterical and brilliant, and it's funny. And here's how good it is, Judy. I showed it to my parents, who, you know, magic parents have to see every magic show, and magic families hate magic. My parents laughed, 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 and watched it multiple times. So that's how you know ah. it's great. Oh, thanks. Yeah, there aren't any female magicians. That's, I'm doing a play now, but that's what it's about, because... You know, when you do magic, you really have the power to alter someone's reality. You're you're mm -hmm. you're manipulating them, and apparently, people don't like when women do that. So, because <laughs> that would mean they're powerful and equal, and people don't like that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but we're not going but, down but that. We're that not going down. But it. you mentioned Kirby, and mm -hmm. I fucking got because he someone Mark Kornhauser said oh Kirby admitted to me that he stole all your equipment and this was back in the 80s and that equipment was like I had you know gathered every penny I had to have yeah. you know it was a, a porta pack they were real to real it wasn't like just a phone you did video on then and he um, broke in and he also threatened that he was going to kill me and then oh, I Lord. tried to get out of the gig because I went, this guy's psycho and is going to hurt me. And yeah. then the place was mafia and wouldn't let me out. And I had to sleep at a different place every night. It was really dramatic. That's what it's like being a female magician, everybody. Mm. Don't even try it. But anyway, I died. No, no, no. I'd say do try it. Call me. I'll help you. Do try it. Call me. I'll help well, you. Well, I would love. I would love for you to see my play. I would and love to. Uh, are you going to be in L.A.? Are you going to be in I'm, LA? I'm in L.A. all the time. I'm in LA are you? Time. I'd love to see rehearsal. Mm -hmm. we're, we're in development now, script development. It's called okay. A Death Defined Escape from a Jewish Family. And in it, um, uh, Craig Dickens actually is going to recreate um, this. Um, it's, about, it's about can we escape from the abuse of the past, and he's going to re recreate me being tied to this chair and then vanishing and so wow. it's i i haven't well, if, done if, if, an illusion i thank god i have a garage but i might need your parents garage if they still have yeah one. definitely well we're in a warehouse now but if you need any help i i'm actually a magic designer i'm designing several broadway shows right now for uh companies i can't say but uh Oh. Things that were delayed because of pandemic. I also do magic and illusion design for theme parks and Broadway oh, shows and, and arena tours. So, oh my God, that's and, that and TV is, and film stuff too. So that it's, is it's a fun awesome. Way to, well, I to don't know. I knew I, I've never had a magician on this show, and I just knew it would like bring up a lot of interesting stuff. And um, um, you know, here's the thing with magic, and you have to be obsessed with it because when. Uh, my whole story was that I was working, uh, I had a gig at a Playboy club in Chicago and my tricks didn't show up. And the guy go, you got to go on, have the man come and you got to do your show. And, and I was just in the bunny locker room crying into some woman's, some bunny's bosoms. And I went like, you know, what am I going to do? I don't have no tricks. And she goes, just tell the truth, be yourself. And that's when I had that experience of going out without any props, right? I just mm -hmm. went out yeah. there, and that's when I discovered, and I don't, I want, I'm getting to this because to ask your opinion about this, was that I had been hiding behind, you know, look at this newspaper, pay no attention to me because I was so terribly shy, and I think most magicians have this feeling like, 
of being that nerd, being that, that person, you know, maybe you don't know how to talk to girls, and, but look at this, isn't this cool? Right, right. And it was it's very empowering to, to, and it's frightening to let go of, um, of the props and go look at me. And that mm -hmm. was my journey to be more authentic and also to um, travel with carry on. So what do you do with that? You know, like, like you're schlepping. What do you have? Like you have trucks of freight, right? We have five, right? five semi-trucks for the show. So it's a big show. But I will tell you the best advice I ever got, and I jokingly say I never took it, but, he, but I did take it because I get to the heart of what your, what your message is here. You know Jeff Hobson, right? I, I think he's the funniest guy in the business. He's hilarious. When I was a kid, I met him after a show, and I got his autograph, and he gave me the best advice I ever got in magic, and I joke and say I ignored it. He said anyone can wave their hands in front of a magic box. You know, anyone can do that. But if you want to make a living, if you want this to be your career and make money, if you can stand on a coffee table in a party surrounded by people and entertain them and make them laugh for 20 minutes, you will work every day of your life. And he said with, you know, with stuff just out of your pockets. I'll never forget that lesson. And yet I completely ignored it and go build an illusion show with five trucks. But, but the, yeah. And, 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 I've, I've, and now that I'm, I'm in the business profession, I've, I've told every time I see him, I always remind him of the story and, and tell him, you know, the best advice I'd never listened to. But I did listen to it in my way. I knew I wanted to do something theatrical. My first love is the theater and entertainment. And the message is your personality. It's, it's like the message of you. It's not, you're not selling your speech, you're selling you. You're not selling your, your jokes, you're selling you. So even though I'm doing theatrical illusions, these are original ideas that are developed to showcase my personality. I don't want to, I don't buy magic tricks out of catalogs or, or things that, you know, can be done by others. I create illusions and sometimes these illusions will take me three, five, ten or more years to get perfected into my show because the whole process is how does this relate to who I am on stage and how does this communicate me to the audience so that I'm not hiding behind a box or a prop or a newspaper. I'm using these illusions as storytelling to tell my story through these illusions. So even though I ignored the, uh, the advice of Jeff Hobson, I got the root of it that the entertainment factor has to be the first and foremost most important part of the show. I see. And what is, you say you illuminate your story. What is your story? Like, what, so what when, are you showing? Like, when I, when I see your illusions, what am I going to learn about Rob Lake from this? Absolutely. And this is, it's a, it's a challenging question to answer in a brief sentence because it's a two-hour show. But I basically take the audience on a journey for what magic means to me and how magic's inspired me. And so there in return, it inspires the audience. So I don't just want to say, oh, tricked you, fooled you, ha-ha, ta-da. Yes, there are those, wow, how the hell did you do that moments? But it's more, I'm going for that moment where even the biggest skeptic says, okay, just for a second, maybe anything is possible. If I see that on their face, I know we've done it right. Ah, so you are trying to recreate, tell me if I'm wrong, that feeling that you described as a child Watching Absolutely. maybe E.T. or, you know, Steven Spielberg and that, that magical moment of possibility and that you go, I want other people to feel this. Absolutely. Is there someone really depressed in your family that you needed to cheer up? Was, was No, no. It's just yeah. I, um, I, I clung to the, that, that uh, you know, I had a great childhood. I just, for me, was so moved and inspired as a kid by e literally E.T. flying or... Any, in, 
Exactly. It, yeah, we, it, it gets us all. It gets us all. Or, or the Walt Disney, you know, anything of Walt Disney in the stories, you know, the old videos of him in his office talking to the camera. You know, I would just be enchanted by that. And even when just Walt talking was inspiring, I said, I want to make people happy like that. Wow. Well, um, here are some things that I love you that you said, because, boy, it's a tough time right now, Rob, for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Really hard. And, you know, especially for us in theater and the pandemic. And um, I know you're taping now, by the way, Rob Lake is taping a TV series in Atlanta and shh, we can't say That's what right. it is. Exactly. So we're not gonna say what it is. It's like everything in magic, it's a secret. So yeah. we're not gonna say what it is, um, but um, I think that's, that's super cool that you're doing that. So um, I'm going to just, uh, and if you want to chime in on any of these things, let me know. But I was taking some notes because I'm always Great. interested in what can we glean from someone's success that we can use that and, and, you know, for, for ourselves. And one thing you said that you discovered your purpose because you were obsessed with something. Right, you're obsessed with illusions, with magic, um, and and you you said something really important to me, which um, which I always feel when someone says um, this, they're not gonna they're not gonna be successful. They they say this, I'm going to be famous, right? And I think. Mm -hmm. You know, you know where what I'm talking about because you actually yeah. said that you were obsessed with how do I create this experience, not the end result that oh everybody will see me and you know I have this in my book I, the New Comedy Bible I have a, a commitment um, statements like I will do comedy until and they email them to me and I always read them because I'm curious like. What, what are people's commitment and what does it mean to them to be funny? And, sure. and I would say over 50% till I have a million dollars, which I'm going, who could live on a million dollars? But anyway, <laughs> right. but, but, but it's like, like, okay, until I have a huge house. And, and it's a lot of this material. It's conditional. Like, yeah. Conditional, right? What do you think about that? So I, I, um, I've got a quote, and it's from, uh, do you know Robert Holden? He's a psychologist. He wrote books on happiness. He's, he should be a comic. He's hysterical. But there's a quote he says that really hit me when I was in my 20, 20s, and it was um, basically stop searching for happiness and start following your joy. You know, that happiness, in the, goal, the end goal is not external. You know, it's really more about the process. It's more about, uh, you know, accepting the empowerment of it now, um, here and now. And, and you know, who says you have to have a benchmark, a million dollars, a house, a million followers, whatever it is, to be successful or happy? You know, people often confuse purpose with a job. You know, people often, and, and, and you know, sometimes the best, you know, you never know what your purpose is. Your purpose could be making people happy at a diner. Your purpose could be, you know, bringing joy to somebody or inspiring someone else. You know, we may never discover what our purpose is, but if you live a purposeful life, you don't need to have a spotlight or an Oscar or something like that. Of course, we'd all dream of it and want it. But I think those who chase specific goals have a lot harder time reaching them versus those who just try to live a purposeful, passionate life day to day. 
Yeah, I, you know, you said something that I'd like to like hit on here, which is the relation between purpose and happiness that people make that mistake. Because mm -hmm. I'm sure you know when you are in the middle of creating an illusion and you have put all this time and effort and money and you are not going out with your friends, you're not going drinking, you're not, you know, you're not going on that fabulous trip because you're working on this thing that you can't get to work. And, and right? And, and, <laughs> and you're okay with that because you're so passionate. You, that's not even an option to go out drinking. You are exactly. so focused. That's when you know, yeah. Yes. But for me, I mean, you don't look Jewish and you're from Oklahoma, so I think I'm always a little more tormented than, 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 than people like you. But, but I, I feel like when I started writing my play three years ago and I spent, I would wake up at 4 a.m. because I had an idea and I had to write. Now, do I enjoy waking up at 4 a.m. and being like exhausted? No, but I had to because the idea came and it was there and I'm and and I have these recordings of me in the middle of the night going and then she says go get it and then the oh yeah the whole and I'm like in the middle of the night and I hear these recordings of me and I look at the timestamp that one was 4 a.m. that one's 4:30 that one was like 4:50 that one was at 5 and and it's like continual and it's obsessive and it's mm -hmm. not fun I mean, it's, it's weird, it's like, it's almost like when you have a project that you're obsessed with, it becomes your dominatrix. And Absolutely. it, right? It's like, is it fun? And there's no other way. Is it fun um, no. having a dominatrix? I'm not into that kind of shit, but it's, it's, it's not fun, people. Like, so many people, I want to be famous, I want to make money, I'm going to be this big comic. But they're so unwilling to do the kind of work. They don't have that obsession. And, you know, a lot of people hit, right? They'll, they'll, they'll get famous for their 15 mm -hmm. minutes, but they can't sustain it because they don't have that thing. They're and, not committed, right? Yeah, so let's talk about that time in your life where, okay, so you're on this projectile, you're obsessed, you're just into it, you, it's not like you want to be famous, you just want to get this illusion or that illusion, sure, make someone absolutely. vanish, make someone levitate, what, whatever it is, you're gonna do this. You have a vision and you're trying to complete your, your vision and um, there was a point where you just, it just died, right? Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What happened? And, and well, and like you, I always sleep with it. Mine's a notepad. I always have a notepad and a pen or pencil because those ideas, sometimes they will come fully formed in the middle of the night. And no matter how much you do this, you're only as good as the next ladder rung. You know, we, we tend to forget everything we've accomplished by this point. And, and my friends have to remind me, you know, you've done a lot. It's okay to take a breather every now and then. But if you're not willing to sacrifice everything uh, for, for this dream, maybe it's not your purpose or your passion. Um, I'm not saying we are gluttons for punishment because there are rewards. There are reasons we do this, but it, it is a sacrifice thing. But about 10 years ago, I had a big gig overseas and uh, it was a multi-year contract. They built me a custom theater. I shipped out all of my equipment overseas. And then uh, about a, a few days after my stuff had left my warehouse, I canceled my, my warehouse rent because it was going to be gone a few years. Everything was gone. I actually canceled a few gigs to make this gig happen. 
because, um, you know, you have to cancel a few gigs for a long multi-year residency. And I, you know, upset a few people. And, uh, you know, I spent every penny I had at the time getting everything ready for this gig. And I wake up one morning, not even a week after my stuff's on it's on the Pacific Ocean headed overseas, to an email that the theater owners are having a fight and they are in a dispute and the gig's not happening. And I need to figure out how to get my stuff back. So here I am, homeless, because I, you know, got rid of where I was staying, have no equipment, all in a boat headed overseas, broke as hell because I spent every penny I had getting ready for this gig. And what do I do? And it was really one of those um, uh, points, you know, of course, every bad word came out of my mouth at first. And, and then I responded to them and they had either blocked or deleted my email so I couldn't connect with them. So I was really on my own here. But at the same time, after I got over the initial trauma and the shock and the anger, I trusted my instinctual voice. And I knew everything would be okay. And I knew that, you know, if this is my purpose, my passion, you've got to keep doing what you got to do. Um, I, I, I busted my ass to try to get my stuff back, which eventually we did. But I got a call from a promoter who's booking a show. He said, hey, I hear you're an illusionist. I said, I'll take the gig. He said, he, he said, well, don't you want to hear what it is? I said, yeah, tell me about it. But yes, I'll take it. You know, that, that's how desperate I was. Well, that gig turned me into headlining casinos. And that, you know, snowballed other things, things that I would have missed if I was overseas. And it was a lesson for me that I'm good at screwing things up. I'm, you know, we all, we all are. But when things screw up that big and that bad, you've got to trust the process more and say, okay, you know what? This is something that's bigger than me. This is something that's uh, beyond me. There's probably some bigger forces, things playing here. I just need to step back, trust myself, and let things kind of settle and see where they land. And if you do that, things usually work out for the better. So it really was kind of a universal realignment thing um, from me. But it really was uh, the biggest lesson for me was learning how to, A, trust my instincts and not ignore the red flags. I had my gut, the whole process, my gut was telling me, don't take this gig. There's no logical reason, but my instinct said that. But then number two, when, it, when, when things do hit the fan, to really, really rely on your strengths and trust yourself and, and realize that sometimes things are actually falling into place when they feel like they're really falling apart. I'm, I'm feeling that now. I think, I think what you're saying is the word. Um, and I think it's what we've been talking about, Rob, through this whole thing. And I think that word is surrender. I think we mm -hmm. have to surrender to who we are, surrender to that passion that propels us, and, you know, there's always the brain that says, will this make me money? Will this do this? Well, how can I support a family on this? And that, yeah, 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 you know, all the negative. But is, is the, you know, we either surrender to logic and practicality or we surrender to our creative process. Mm -hmm. I really like, I really like that story. I'm, I'm, you know, at this point in my life where I'm like a lot older than you. And there's something about me right now that says, if not now, when? I get a lot of people going like, oh, well, I'm 50. Should I start being a comic? You know, and I think Rodney Dangerfield started when he was 50. But I'm just saying like, you know, but when you get older, like, you know, someone who gets in the movies for the discount tickets, me, <laughs> it's kind of more like, if not now, when? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's going to cost that much money? Oh, I have to rent a theater? If not now, when? When yeah. am I going to? This has been in my head forever, this, this, this 
you know, comedy magic play? And if not, now when? And I and and so it's just like I think another thing from this is like after you decide to surrender, mm -hmm. is just do it. It's just do it. I want to do yeah. You have to put the work theater. in for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of people go, a lot of people have this, especially us women are like, someday my prince will come, well, I got it. Or, you know, I got to get an agent. I got to get a manager. And the truth is, no, you just do it. I just, you know, I did. Mm -hmm. I just rented a theater and I went there by myself <laughs> and practiced. Yeah, that's, but that, you, have to. you have that. to. I just did that. I just rented. You have to. I invited and some friends. I go, well, I got yeah. this idea for, I'll get, build the illusion. Okay, I got a direct, and all of a sudden, it just started to happen. So but Yeah, when, when your purpose is bigger than you, you have no choice. You know, I, you know I've never had an agent. I've been self-promoted, self-booked my whole career. And, you know, for a while, I was very frustrated. You know, I'll get these great meetings, you know, the, the bottled water and couch tour in L.A., and they love you, love you, then you, know, then you don't hear from them. And I thought, what did I do wrong? But the thing is, I've been a headliner and sold millions of dollars in tickets all around the world from working myself. And no one's ever going to work as hard for your dreams as you. Oh, 100%. So that is mm -hmm. so right on. Every time I get an agent, I, I sit back and go, I got an agent. And that's when my career comes to a dead halt. Yeah. All right, so here's what we've learned today. We, we all like to give a sum up here. And, and then I'm going to tell you how you can watch this amazing man perform, because you've got to see him. He is astounding. Um, is first of all, ask yourself, look at your childhood. What were you obsessed with? What, what made you light up? What made you, like, was there something that you did? And then I want you to think, what did you feel when you did that? And how can you right now in your creative life create that experience for others? Now, because I've never thought of that, Rob, and I think you are very clear in that. Like, I, I love that sense of wonderment and how do I create it for others? Right, absolutely. Most, a lot of people don't think of the audience. They just think of themselves. Especially magicians. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to do these tricks and I'm going to get laid. That's what's going to or, happen. Or magicians <laughs> think, you know, how can I fill time? You know, they buy tricks to fill time. Yeah. Um, and so then the other thing is that you, that you said, when you discover what you, what you are passionate about, you got to ask yourself, do you, does this give you joy? Does this, I hate using that because we all think about cleaning our house, but can you do this 24 seven? Can you, does this energize you? Does this, is this something you wake up thinking about? Because if it is, then you've got what it takes to be successful about that. So tell us um, how, how you want us to follow you, see you, you want to tell us a little bit about, I know it's Rob Lake Magic, right? That's correct. That's my social media on everything. Um, you can see me on YouTube. We actually filmed my entire show during the pandemic. Uh, this is the first year in 15 I cannot go entertain the troops overseas. Every year I take a month of the year to go entertain the troops. Uh, and this year we couldn't do it, so we filmed a TV special for Armed, Forces Na no, for Armed Forces Network and Armed Forces Entertainment. And it's on YouTube where everyone can see the full show right now. Oh, I've got, I've got to see that. Everybody, go, go. 
Rob Lake Magic. Watch it. See what happens when a young boy finds his passion, discovers his purpose, and now he's grown up and he's still doing it, but this time they're paying him, and isn't that awesome? Thank you so much for being a guest on The Power of Purpose. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. For your special gift, go to themessageofyou.com. That's themessageofyou.com and get your free one-year subscription to The Message of You University, which is full of lessons to help you find your message and turn it into a book, a TED Talk, or a paid speaking career. That's themessageofyou.com.